What do you expect? Vikings fall 34 to 31. Drop yet another close game. We're here to break it down and all the follow-up here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Vikings podcast your first listen of the day. Hashtag first listen. I'm your host, your pal in the Kitty Coffee Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, we got to recap another close loss. The Vikings go to Baltimore. They play it tough. They go out 34 to 31 overtime. Justin Tucker field goal, as if it was ever going to come down to anything else. But we have to talk about it. And what I really want to get to by the end of this show is the fallout. Because we're sitting here at three and five. We are have the, a season that feels like it is on the brink of the bottom falling out. And, and maybe the bottom already has, but it, it feels like the Vikings could just as easily. I mean, look, they're never the same team week to week. Part That's part of the problem, but also part of the benefit when they're bad. They could just be good again next week and you'd, have, you'd never see it coming. And they could rattle off four wins and make a season out of it. Or they could rattle off four more losses and we could be talking about interim head coach Andre Patterson by December. And whatever happens there, it seems like unless the Vikings make a fairly improbable turnaround, we're talking about the next iteration of the Vikings. New GM, new coach, new quarterback, new everything. And from there, uh, we have some other conversations that we haven't really had on this show. We haven't really talked about who the next guy would be overall, you know, what I look for. And so, so let's have a little bit of that conversation. We might talk a little bit more about it some more this week, um, as well as breaking down the game. But first, let's recap the game in case you missed it. So here's how the game goes. It's the same pattern as every other Vikings game uh, that we have had so far. The Vikings scream out to a two-score lead. They blow it. They let the, the other team back into it by halftime. The other team goes into halftime feeling really good about themselves. The Vikings feel, oh, no, here we go again. Uh, they come out of halftime. This time, Kenne Wangwu scores a uh, kickoff touchdown, which is awesome, right? We finally are getting contribution from our rookies. There was a Cam Bynum uh, interception as well. Uh, in the first at the end of the first half, but the Vikings squandered that, then let the, the Ravens go all the way down, score a touchdown to make it 17-10. Uh, kick return touchdown makes it 24-10. And then the Ravens rattled off three utterly embarrassing drives of, uh, I believe, 10, 18, and 12 plays, all of them touchdowns. Uh, and they go up 31 to 24 as the Vikings uh, in between those three drives, the two drives they get in between those three are both punts. And one of them's a three and out. So the defense is totally gassed. The defense was on the field for 88 plays. They gave up 36 first downs in this game. And yeah, the Vikings went through the formality of going down and scoring at uh, with a minute left to go to tie the game up. And the defense went through the formality of stopping them with a minute to go, stopping the Ravens with a minute to go, bringing it into overtime. The Ravens win the toss in overtime. Anthony Barr makes an incredible play for an interception, one of those big explosive plays we've kind of been wanting to see from him. We get that. The Vikings go one yard forward. They get a yard. They netted zero yards because on the last turnover they got, they lost a yard. So they lost a yard off a turnover, and then they gained a yard off a turnover. That's the production they got off of turnovers. 
And you can tell that that is really, you can tell like in the, in the sound of my voice, how much that bothers me. In overtime, they get an interception. That should be ball game. That should destroy them. You need two first downs. You go kick a field goal. You win the game. Instead, they go three and out, gaining one yard. And uh, the Ravens go and score the game-winning field goal from there. At, at a point where the defense is gassed. And, and we could spend a lot of time doling out blame. And, you know, th there's some stuff that I'm just struggling to kind of make sense of that I kind of want to defer until I've seen the tape and I understand it a little bit better. I thought Kirk Cousins was, like, fine. I, I, I thought he was okay. I think the, like... Last week, I came away thinking, man, Kirk Cousins and the play calling were really bad. And then I looked at the tape and I ended up coming off of the play calling a little bit and going harder on Kirk Cousins. This time, I don't really know what to make of it, but it seems like it was much more the play calling than Kirk. I'll watch the tape, maybe come away with a different opinion, maybe come away with the same opinion, but stronger. Who knows? Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the defense struggled a lot. And th there's a lot of talk right now about, well, you know, the offense got all these three and outs and these punts. Of course, I mean, the defense had no rest. They had to go right back out there. The offense didn't let a, an 18 play drive up. They weren't gassed when that drive started. That was like the second drive of the third quarter. You're not gassed by that time. Um, the Ravens had a 10 play drive and then the Vikings had a seven play drive. And then the Ravens had an 18 play drive and then the Vikings went three and out. Now going three and out there was bad. So you had 18, three and out, and then the Vikings had to go right back out there and they went, you know, gave up another touchdown drive. But that 18 play drive was embarrassing. Uh, they couldn't get off the field. They couldn't stop anything. I believe there were a couple of fourth downs in there. It was, it was really, really an embarrassing drive where the Ravens just sort of punched the Vikings in the mouth and they never really recovered on defense. Um, and that, I, I think that's the moment right there that defines the game. 18 plays three and out. And you're going to see a bunch of time of possession stats and a bunch of play stats and stuff. But to me, the game exists right there in that microcosm. So that's the blow by blow. But I think there are some things that keep rearing their ugly heads that we kind of have to talk about. There are these matters of discipline, these kind of recurring issues of, of penalties, of not taking advantage of turnovers, of giving up points in the two minute drill and stuff all this stuff that kind of keeps happening one of the things that was my favorite part of the zimmer era was they wouldn't very often make the same mistake twice unless you think that you know r running the ball is a mistake but they would disagree with you so it's not like they're making a mistake then not learning their lesson they just would disagree with you that it's a mistake and you know there's discussion to be had there but when it comes to stuff like you know I, the, the fumbling problems earlier in the season they're going to do a fumble drill. They're going to get that fixed. Right. And and that always felt like the Zimmer, the, the, the Zimmer teams would fix what ailed them. And that's not the case anymore. And, and I think it's been a minute since that's been the case. Um, and that's really disappointing. They just keep dissolving in the exact same way. And that's really, really frustrating. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. And then, of course, I want to talk about kind of what's coming next here. It feels super hollow to be like onto the Chargers. They're still technically a game out of playoff position because they have so many existential problems as a franchise right now, both on the micro and macro levels that it feels super dumb to be like, well, what if they won five more games on accident and made it into the playoffs as the seventh seed? And yeah, chip in a chair. That's what I always say. And I'll if that happens, I'll hold to that chip in a chair. You know what? Two seed. You got to watch out because we're a weird team, but it feels so hollow to talk about that right now. So let's take a little bit of stock and talk a little bit more about what we have in the Vikings, what we want to keep about the Vikings, and 
what is leading to this extremely frustrating Sisyphean nightmare. <laughs> so stick around and maybe we can. <laughs> so <laughs> is that a good enough sell for you? Go stick around and look at the, listen to the Locked On Vikings podcast where we all experience the same recurring Groundhog Day style nightmare over and over and over again. Uh, but if you want to watch Groundhog Day or any other of your favorite movies on demand or live, you can watch it at DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream is a place where you can get all of your devices and uh, apps and logins and stuff all in, in one place. You're not logging into a million things. You're not trying to juggle a bunch of apps or a bunch of remotes and stuff. It consolidates things in the way we wanted to consolidate TV ever since you kind of got the idea of, of on-demand and live and all this confusion. Do away with all that. Go check out directtv.stream. You can learn more about DirecTV stream at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. So we're going to have a lot of time over the week to get into some standout performers, but let me give you something to chew on. Some some players that I thought did really positively um, that maybe we can hang our hats on. The first one that comes to my mind is Kenny Willekes. He got his first sack of the of, of his career. He got a lot more snaps than I thought he would get, and he played really, really well. I also thought DJ Wanham had a pretty good game. Those guys rot- rotating were pretty disruptive. The defensive line was disruptive on the whole. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, Armin Watts both had pretty good games as well. Um, in this game, I should probably mention Harrison Smith did not play due to COVID-19 because he is unvaccinated. He will miss the Chargers game as well. I harped a lot on the, vac- the unvaccinated players in the summer. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but suffice it to say that's really disappointing. And Harrison Smith hurt the Vikings by not being vaccinated. Um, and that's a choice that he gets to make, but it's a choice he now has to live with the consequences of. And, and that really sucks. I, I wish things weren't that way. Um, there's also Bashad Breland who left the game with, um, a groin injury. He also looks like he got cleated, uh, and that was pretty gruesome. So you had a lot of Chris Boyd, a lot of Cameron Dantzler that led to a lot of problems. Um, but Cameron Bynum in uh, relief of Harrison Smith had a pretty good game. He had his first interception, which was a fantastic play diving interception. And there were some smarts to that play as well. Stay tuned later in the week. I'm going to want to break that one down. So there's a few performers there, but what I really want to talk more about is, the overall like trends here because this, this the same things keep happening and the first one i guess i want to start with is the two minute um i'm going to talk about the two minute i'm going to talk about the turnover woes i'm going to talk about the vikings struggling to get to the line of scrimmage and like huddle um these are all things that you should be able to rely on and if you can't it makes it so much harder to win games a the two minute warning uh so inside the two minute especially a two minute of the first half The Vikings have given up 45 points, and they've had a number of offensive disasters in their own right. If you remember the Cincinnati game, they got a bunch of penalties. They went backwards. They had the Lions game where they had the ball with 37 seconds and two timeouts or 47 seconds and two timeouts or something like that. They end up kneeling it out, and then they get the and then the ball comes down. The game comes down to 47 seconds, two timeouts, the exact same situation uh, where they needed to go get a field goal. And it's like you could have tried this in the you know, in the two minute of the first half and not even been in this situation. There's, uh, I I think a a number of times they've gotten the ball with a reasonable scoring opportunity and they've either declined that scoring opportunity in a controversial fashion, or they try to go forward and they go backward. And all of that is, uh, it compounds when the defense is giving up a lot too. So you get the ball with a minute 30 and a couple timeouts, and maybe you can go do something. You go three and out immediately and give a touchdown back the other way. 
And it's like the, the game flips so much like that. And there is an, an, an emotional component to that as well. You go into the locker room up 17-10 when you've been kind of kicking their butt up and down the field for the entire first half. And that's what happened in this Ravens game. Then you feel a little bit like, oh, no, here we go again. We're blowing yet another lead. So you might wonder, well, what is it about two minute, right? Well, the defensive stuff changes um, and, you know, situations change things. For one, in two minute outside of times where you're specifically trying to run clock and you're already in field goal range, that kind of thing, you know, it's really all passing downs. And a lot of times it's only deep passing downs. Defenses are more than content to give you six yards of play when you only have time to run like seven plays and you get a little bit down the field and, and the, like defenses will take that. Um, so that is going to change the dynamics of things. And some teams are better at that than others. The worst defense in the league might be pretty good when they're playing more off soft coverage, right? What's the problem we've had with Cameron Dantzler and Bashad Breeland? Well, they play too far off, but in contexts where that's good, maybe that'll help. Um, the problem is the Vikings seem to kind of fall apart. It's not just their style of play not being conducive to the two minute on defense. It's they make more mistakes in two minute. They just crumble under the pressure. And, and some of that is a young team or a team that's not uh, played together. But, I mean, that's Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks and McKenzie. I mean, these are veterans, right? If Cameron Dantzler is doing it, that's one thing. He's a second-year player. Maybe the moment's too big for him. But when it's Harrison Smith not communicating right with Eric Kendricks, and it, then it, it, it gets more frustrating. And then you kind of go, okay, why don't these guys have their ducks in a row? Um, and then the game starts going too fast for you, and you're out of rhythm, and, and you start making more mistakes, and you just don't feel it right that starts to you know cause all these problems there's also the turnover was now this isn't the vikings com causing to or committing turnovers they have been very good at avoiding turnovers except the odd fumble um but i think kirk cousins only has like two picks and one of them was on a hail mary like that's not that bad uh, i think one of them was tipped too like he's been pretty good at taking care of the ball but when they get the ball on a turnover and here's the deal and i had this thought and um i think i tweeted it and then uh, so people know that I didn't just steal this from Ben Lieber, but I heard Ben Lieber said about the same thing, which makes me feel good. It's like, okay, a real NFL player is having this thought too. I'm not just making stuff up in my head. Uh, but I think they have a problem with focus on the sideline. The offense does, because when, when you are, uh, on offense and defense is on the field, you're maybe looking at the tablet or you're, you know, making an adjustment or something, but by and large, you're waiting for your next turn. Right. And that can come in three minutes or 30 seconds. And so you're just kind of waiting to go back on. And so when the punt team comes out and you're like, okay, this is going to be my, you know, we're going to be up next. You have a second to catch your breath or to, you know, kind of re-center re yourself, get your stuff together. But on a turnover, you just have to like zoom right out there. The play clock just starts and you have to get out there and run a play. And in those situations, the Vikings, they won't get out of the huddle. They have to take a timeout. They're going to get a delay a game and then they get a holding penalty. And then it's like second and 25. And you're like, what happened here? We just got an interception. We were feeling great. And now we're going to punt it back to them in about in like 30 yards less field position. And that's all that interception was worth. And to me, that's a focus issue. That's not being focused on the sideline. And then when you have to get into focus very quickly, mistakes happen. And that's infuriating and inexcusable. Like, there is nothing to say that makes that okay for a veteran-led team. Kirk Cousins been in the league for 10 years. These kinds of mistakes shouldn't happen. Brian O'Neill, year four, these kinds of mistakes should not happen. Garrett Bradbury, year three, and he didn't play in this game. But Mason Cole has been in the league for longer than Garrett Bradbury. You know, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. These guys shouldn't be having these problems. They're not rookies. And like, look, 
A guy with diagnosed ADHD is criticizing your focus. Do you realize how bad that has to get before I'm like, hey guys, you're a little distracted it seems. And then there are the huddling problems. These drive me insane. These guys have been doing huddles since Pee-wee. It should not be that hard. I don't care if it's loud. It gets loud in the NFL. To get into a huddle, relay a play call and have everybody more or less on the same page. A few miscommunications is understandable. As many as they have, pre-snap is not. This has been a problem since, since the beginning of 2020 for the Vikings. This has been plaguing them. These pre-snap, these organizational problems, these focus issues, this sort of distracted, this inability to overcome the flow of the game and, and to make the game your own is the personality of the Vikings. And, and that is the personality of a loser. So I want the Vikings to stop being losers. I hope they can stop being losers. But what if they don't stop being losers? Then we got to talk about it. So let's talk about where we go from here and kind of how we have to, to, to approach the rest of the season. Because it feels, again, weird to be like, well, they're a playoff position if they win, and if they have these 10 teams lose, like, that's probably not relevant. So we have to kind of meet the Vikings where they are, at least on this show, in, in terms of covering them. So I'll, I'll talk about all of that and kind of the, the higher level of all of this. Um, but first, let me tell you, about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. If you haven't tried a built bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. It's not chalky, it's not rubbery, it doesn't taste like, you know, creatine powder and a little bit of Nesquik. It is delicious. You gotta try one for yourself. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. You can tell they put a lot of effort into the flavor profile and like how it tastes. You would swear you were eating like an Almond Joy or something. It comes in so many delicious flavors, coconut, raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, and it's low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and chock-full of that good, good protein. So all of the healthy benefits without having to blow a cheat day. And this month... Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three or four days. So go back, check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Those are the really, really good ones, the limited time ones. So head to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. Whatever you buy, get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I also want to talk to you about Grambling. Bet Online has redesigned their website and it rocks. You can bet, you can always bet, you know, the spreads or the over-under, the classic, you know, sports book stuff. But I love their live betting. They update it every couple of plays or so. And you can basically just sit there and like ride out the vibe of a game. When the Vikings were up 24 to 10 and we all knew, everybody and their mother knew they were going to blow this, the Vikings were favored. You could have shorted that, made a little bit of money. So find the time where their odds are going to like bottom out, but you still know they're going to come back and maybe you can get a better money line or a better point spread or something than if you just bet it on a Tuesday or whatever. You can get uh, basketball, baseball, hockey, pro and college football, of course. And if you enter promo code locked on when you sign up, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Sign up for free, do your direct, your first deposit. And if you enter promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get 50% of that matched into your account deposited as free play money. It's free grambling money. So bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. Look, it's getting nuclear. It's we can all smell it. We can, we can feel the winds of change on our face. It's getting that out there. And as the, Vi I mean, look, the Vikings are three and five. 
seven seed is four and four. The Vikings rattle off two wins in a row. Let's say they beat the Chargers. They beat, you know, a weird Green Bay game. They are five and four and we or five and five and we feel a lot better about it, right? If they claw their way back to 500 and they're back in playoff position, we're going, hey, hey, maybe let's get hot at the right time, right? It's possible. It doesn't feel very probable. And so we got to take stock. But a few principles that I have about a rebuild. Um, a, and I've said this before, but I want to reiterate, build with a purpose. I don't want to be a team like the Browns of a bunch of years ago, where you just sort of tear everything down and accumulate assets, but you're not really building toward anything. And what happened to the Browns was like Sashi and Hugh Jackson and the guys that kind of did all the work to accumulate those draft picks, they all lost their jobs. And then somebody with a different idea came in, and that was Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey. And then they built something up, and then those guys lost it. Now it's Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. And I think what Barry and Stefanski could have built in Cleveland would have been better if those guys were able to kind of take it the the reins from the start and build with a purpose. But they already had this half-built contraption. They already, you know, Stavansky inherited uh, Baker Mayfield and the Landry Odell Beckham thing. So those guys sort of inherited something and they've done well and they've coached and stuff. But you can tell that that is that that ship isn't working as as well as it was supposed to. They're supposed to be reaping the rewards of this multiple first overall picks kind of tank. And, and it's not happening. And I think a lot of that is because too many plans got enacted at once. So build with a purpose. I don't want to go through a lame duck period. I don't want to just bring in some Dan Campbell and say, hey, you're going to suck for two years and then we're actually going to bring the guy. No, I don't want any of that. I, I don't want to tank for a draft pick or any of that crap either. They'll get the pick they get. And if you want to pick higher, then pay to pick higher. You know, go trade up. It's There's nothing wrong with that. Or at least I should say, there's no shame in that, especially when it comes to a, a quarterback. Um but do something with a purpose, right? Get a coach who you believe in. I don't care if it's a defensive coach. I don't care if it's an offensive coach. I don't care if it's a special teams coach. You're not going to find me on this podcast just harping about let's just get the best offenses offensive coordinator. And you're going to hear that a lot. But that's not what you're going to get with me. We're going to think a little harder here. But I think it's time to start to get excited about what could be. We've been in this for eight years. We've been in this Mike Zimmer kind of pragmatic and responsible way to go about things. The Rick Spielman, you know, the, the accumulating lots of draft picks and maneuvering the trade board really well. But then do the picks work out? We, we've been in this for a long time and it's start to get excited. What else could we be? In two years, we could be an option team with some really exciting, you know, Josh Allen-esque quarterback. Uh, you know, we could have some kid who watched Lamar Jackson throughout all of high school who's coming up through the ranks, you know, in two years and declares as a junior. We could be that, right? That's exciting. Let's get excited about that. Whatever it is, do it with a purpose. I don't want to just meander about in futility and draft top 10 every year, but not really know where the thing is headed. And so that means pick your spot at quarterback. That's my next thing. Pick your spot. That means don't just take the guy, the first guy that comes along. I think the Vikings made that mistake with Kirk Cousins. They had a need at quarterback, right? They didn't want to keep any of their three guys because they were afraid of knees and the other one was Case Keenum. And so they, but they took the first guy available. That was Kirk Cousins, the first real option available. They did not want to engage in a 2018 draft that ended up having like several franchise quarterbacks in it. One of them who was available on the board when they drafted. Um, and that was Lamar Jackson, who they just lost to. Now, we could go back in hindsight and say, well, they wanted this, and here's why they did this, and you know, they, they felt like he was this sure thing, and that's all well and good. Um, but it does, it did feel, at the time, if you listen to their quotes, there was this sense of urgency. 
you know, guys like this don't come along in free agency every day. It was the line that the Vikings kind of gave about Kirk Cousins. And um, I agree with the decision or not, that's a really bad reason to do it. You should do it because you think he's the key to your franchise, right? Not because, well, this is a weird opportunity. You don't usually get quarterbacks this good here. It's like, but is he good at all? <laughs> and, and that question went mysteriously less answered. And so I, I want to pick your spot. And if that means limping through a year without a quarterback, so be it. Don't draft a Daniel Jones and then pull yourself out of a mar out of the market for somebody else down the line, for Justin Herbert down the line. Don't be the Giants in that way. And so I, I look at the Bills. I love the way the Bills, and I, I know they just lost to Jacksonville, but I love the way the Bills built what they built. They aggressively traded up in a year after they made the wild card round of the playoffs. They, with a purpose got their quarterback, nurtured that quarterback, built around that quarterback, and built something that is very coherent and very focused. They drafted the quarterback that they were in love with. They nurtured that quarterback. They built around that quarterback. They created something that was perfectly suited for that quarterback's talent, and they did that all with a purpose. And it took some patience, right? They weren't very good in 2018, but come 2019, they made the playoffs. Come 2020, they made the AFC Championship game, and now they're a contender. So... That is the kind of build I want. I don't want to do what the Dolphins did, where they just sort of traded away all their team, and then they had a bad team, and then they drafted a quarterback, put him on a bad team, and now everything is crap there. They're like a two-win team. I don't want to do that the, the way the Dolphins or the Browns did. I want to do it the way the Bills did. Maybe it means you have to suck for a while, but that is a cost, not a plan. So we'll talk a lot more about rebuilds in the future. If you have any questions about rebuilds, about the game, about whatever, send them to me at LukeBronNFL at LockedOnVikings. We'll do Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. We'll do a mailbag. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Peacock and Williamson. They're covering everything from the NFL angle in a wacky, wacky week. A lot of weird upsets this week in the NFL. So go check out Peacock and Williamson for that. They are a daily podcast just like this one. Thank you so much. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.